guys, Liam from the Thoth Witchcraft Shop. So I know that many of you listen to the No Holes Barred Witchcraft podcast, and that's normally me and Chris having quite a light-hearted discussion. We do set a kind of topic, but as you probably well know, we don't really tend to stick to it. And it does mean that a lot of people tend to ask sometimes quite in-depth questions about the sorts of things we touch upon. Now, I know that the No Holds Barred Witchcraft podcast was never really supposed to be educational. It was supposed to be the sort of thing that you listen to it and you go away thinking, I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that. It was more of a social thing and, you know, to take a look at magical practice in a little bit more of a light-hearted way. Now, I know that there are quite a lot of people that are interested in our opinions and we designed the Witchcraft Live Facebook group to kind of allow people to ask both ourselves but other people that we know actually practice magic. Um, it's always nice to have other magical practitioners uh, take on things, particularly when you're just starting out and doing your kind of experiments and that. And many people that are in that group, that's their first kind of uh, attempt at magic is actually some of the things that are mentioned in the videos there. Now, uh, obviously we do the mentoring. So we both teach both classes, but also at a distance. Um, but in terms of content that we put out there that's in depth, we don't really put a huge amount in there. And I know that a lot of people want us to cover things and go into a lot of detail. So this is a little bit of an experiment. So this is going to be the first episode of, well, it's not really a podcast, it's more like a mini rambling kind of lecture series where I kind of take occult subjects and then take one specific one at a time and go into it in depth. Now, despite popular opinion, <laughs> we do tend to be quite, um, well, we try not to put our own views out there too much. We try to stick to general magical practice that you'll have heard about. We don't put a lot of uh, information about our personal magical work and that sort of thing. This is gonna be a little different. So with this, you're going to hear my take on the subjects that are discussed. So in terms of it being a little bit far out there, the reason why we're not releasing this publicly is mainly because when you mentor and you teach and you put information out there, magical practice and the magical world is really like a rabbit hole and everyday people mundanes people that are just finding that rabbit hole are very very much put off by the deep parts going further down to that rabbit hole so what we try to do really and we do push a little further than i think a lot of people do with regards to the podcast but we tend to just curtail around kind of the outside of the rabbit hole, maybe just going inside the rabbit hole. We don't really go and discuss like really deep, intricate, advanced forms of magic. We also don't tend to talk all that much about the projects both me and Chris actually work on. Um, and 
some of the stuff that goes on perhaps in the advanced section of the uh, Thoth Witchcraft Patreon. So today what I want to talk about is demigods. So we all have that kind of idea of demigods. Um, a god sleeps with a god or a goddess I should say sleeps with a mortal a human and then produce a kind of offspring a child a magical child with magical powers and the like so the concept of this you'll see a lot in mythology and you've only really got to look at some of these kind of modern takes on uh, the ancient classics I suppose you'd say uh, immortal springs to mind if you've ever watched that film where you've got essentially Zeus I think it is oh I should really have rewatched that film before I did this I think it's Zeus with Perseus so Zeus has a magical child with a mortal and then obviously that would be a demigod so the concept of a demigod people get that uh, people often mirror it with the idea of the Nephilim. So when you've got kind of the Book of Enoch, when we're going into Christian mythology, you've got the idea that angels sleep with, so the Watchers sleep with human women and then produce kind of half-angels, or what they call Nephilim, half-human, half-angel. And they were uh, like super tall and have eerie powers and shit, right? But what is a demigod? Do they walk among us? Is it actually a thing? Or is it just another type of spirit? What is it? So if you tried to conjure up an, a demigod, what would you get? Now, my take on the demigod situation, um, in terms of my experience, and I'll perhaps share a couple of experiences with you, although I can't really name many names. <laughs> Um, is that demigods are a thing. They are. They do walk among us. They are incarnate physical beings, much like me or you. I'm not a demigod. I don't know who you are listening, but I'm presuming you're not a demigod. Maybe you are. I don't know. If you are, shout out to you. <laughs> but the concept of the demigod is that it is essentially a physical person so a human but they have well basically their parents are part deity so how does that actually work because we've got the concept obviously of things like jesus whereas like in an immaculate an amazing conception whereby god jehovah Yahweh, whatever we're calling him these days, um, sent the Holy Spirit into the Virgin Mary and then she gave birth. Now, we won't go into the whole Jesus thing as to whether Jesus is real, whether Jesus wasn't real, or whether actually Mary wasn't really a virgin and was just playing around and the whole Christianity thing was just a one woman's lie about an affair that got really out of hand. We won't go into that. The concept basically is that you've got a god a spirit and then that spirit impregnates a child now how demigods work in the real world in my experience is not like that 
So you won't really have this kind of immaculate conception. You have two people. You have a man and a woman. Generally, as a man and a woman, I don't know if you know a huge amount about sex and reproduction and the like. If you don't, then this podcast is probably going to go way over your heads, and I suggest you uh, Google in how babies are made. Um, that might help you there. But essentially, with procreation, man and a woman, and then they produce a child. Now, what is a demigod then? If both of those parents are human, and when I say human, I don't care whether they're mundane humans or whether they're witches on a magical path or other magical practitioners, doesn't really matter. The real core of what makes a demigod is the deity itself interferes in the process of that soul, that person, that baby, when they're created. So when they start to, uh, let's say, appear filter down from the astral world into the physical world and then the embryo and all that kind of stuff starts growing and shit, then there is interference from the deity at that point. Now, there is a real difficult one here because what some people would class as a demigod and what others would class as a demigod it doesn't really matter but the subject of demigods and the subject of incarnate gods essentially because incarnate gods are what i would class as demigods um the concept of the incarnate god is essentially a god or goddess or spirit of some description powerful spirit that we would class in the uh god goddess category classification that they're walking amongst us so you get obviously the concept of jesus and the like with that makes sense yeah but are they actually there well the secrets to that is that if you do have a god or goddess or an extremely powerful spirit they can't really condense themselves to fit inside a human so what you really have is you have much like an octopus if the god or goddess is the octopus you may find the human soul or the human body or the like is kind of like a tentacle that is attached to that octopus so what that essentially means is that that god goddess spirit whatever has attached a part of themselves a fragment and put that inside that person so some people would come to the conclusion and say well if you have a piece of a god or goddess or whatever it is whatever kind of spirit but we're talking demigods so we're talking that sort of level inside of you some would say you're an aspect of that deity or of that spirit others would say you're a demigod a child of the gods whatever but ultimately where do you kind of draw the line because it's the same thing as what we're really talking about we're talking about a person that whilst they were basically coming down here or being formed in the physical world that god goddess places a piece of themselves inside the soul of that person now strictly 
obviously people that understand the mysteries of reincarnation which we'll probably go into on a deeper podcast that'll be all about reincarnation and the like the concept really what you need to remember is that okay I'm with you Liam I understand the concept of you've got a big powerful spirit thing a god goddess they can't condense themselves into a physical body so what they do is they put a piece the biggest piece they can although of course size doesn't matter when it comes to this because we're talking on a kind of a quantum level I suppose um they put a piece inside the soul so a part of the soul would be made up now here's the difference really so generally speaking the more you go into this it does like anything I think within magic you may answer some questions but then that just creates a bunch of other questions so if we strip it back and when we're talking about demigods let's not talk too much about the metaphysics of it the structure how it actually works because what we'll do is we'll probably go into that more in a future podcast what i'd want to discuss now is why this happens and if there are demigods in the like that do walk among us what do they get up to and what's the purpose here what's the point okay so if we split the two types up and i'm not saying that these two types incarnate gods and demigods i'm not gonna say that they are both the same thing and i'm not gonna say that they are not both the same thing what i'm gonna leave you to do is to do your own research and when I say research I don't mean reading books and Google and I mean actually interacting with some and uh, maybe do an autopsy on one or two of them that might teach you <laughs> you know I like my autopsies um, <laughs> and then that way in the future when you do maybe come across this sort of person you can't quite place exactly what the energy is there and you look into it you're not shocked perhaps by this uh, strange thing so okay we have a person that's born into a family one of the popular ones at the moment is of course the norse pantheon because the norse pantheon are determined uh, the norse pantheon it seems are determined to come back i would say for good reason but they are determined to come back very strongly around the 20th century to 21st century we won't go into details about that either we call this the Norse problem <laughs> in uh, the Thoth witchcraft kind of uh, inner circle um, management. I don't know what you'd call it. So if you've got a person and they have their biological parents and then they grow up, what you'll find with the demigods is that, yes, they have a piece of a god goddess whatever it is inside of them that gives them a very specific unique link so on the podcasts before on the no holes barred podcast we did discuss this a little bit when we were talking about um seership and that kind of thing a seer um we gave an example of that now what this is this unique connection is the fact that if this fragment exists 
then you are an integral part of and connected to that god goddess spirit so you're essentially a part of them that 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 link does not exist for other people and these people if you think in demigods in terms of mythology what do they all do well all of the demigods of course have stories normally some sort of hero heroic journey and the like so what you'll tend to find when you do meet demigods in the physical world is that they all have some sort of journey they're all here to do something very 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 specific okay and it's all extremely related to the god goddess that they're a child of now back in the day what would happen and i mean in the classical world i don't mean traditional witchcraft i mean long before that classical witchcraft the classical world you would have obviously cult centers for deities and they would have a priest and priestess hood and these people would be able to identify obviously because they work with that energy the energy manifest in in the form of an individual they'd normally acquire them um so acquire the child at a young age or acquire the person you know how magic works out it's not like they put an advert out it's basically that there is a compulsion for the child to seek out the secret society or the priest priestesshood and then there's also the priest priestesshood kind of being um drawn to the specific person so it's kind of like being drawn together is generally how it works now obviously the the purpose of a priest and priestesshood and a cult center for a deity is essentially to kind of do that deity's work yeah so what does a demigod do at the end of the day it is essentially a person that has a fragment of that god goddess in that has been sent here or manipulated would be a much better way of saying it I don't like the idea of really saying sent here. It's really a case of a god goddess reaching in and manipulating the situation, really, when you're talking about demigods, and then implanting a chunk of them, a piece, into their soul, which means that they're linked, which means that they will be drawn to not necessarily that god or goddess, but they will carry with them the link to be able to communicate and you know um pull energy from that god goddess they will also probably mirror that god goddess normally it tends to be physical and i know when we're talking physical gods goddesses and the like um we kind of think of the greco-roman kind of idea of sculptures of god goddesses that kind of thing so what we are kind of talking about is at a high level when you've got people painting drawing sculpting gods goddesses some of the features that are there symbolically for a reason you do often tend to find in the children of the gods you tend to find them in in demigods okay also the story of the god because again we're talking mythology so the story of the god themselves tends to be mirrored in the life story of that individual that person so many of them aren't necessarily aware of what you call it 
and they are drawn to magic but very 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 quickly they find that magic in the magical community is a pile of shit so what they tend to do is they tend to retreat they tend to push themselves off they see all of the books on magic certainly nowadays and they tend to see all the magical practitioners and if they're drawn to a specific you know parent they may try and have a little research about people that work with this and then we get the neo-pagans of course and what they tend to find when they see the neo-pagans is fuck this shit this is a load of bollocks because what you're really talking about is you're talking about a bunch of neo-pagan mumbo jumbo of people that are normally playing cosplay and um fantasizing and mucking about maybe doing the odd bit of magic but are trying to establish themselves as some sort of, uh, you know, cult of a deity when the deity is not even necessarily interested. One thing to understand about deities, particularly the Norse, is that they decide who they're going to work through. And when we're talking the Norse pantheon, they inevitably always pick the strongest. For fuck's sake... They're associated with Vikings, for crying out loud. Now, I know that there's a big thing these days with regards to the Norse pantheon, and uh, that's why I wanted to focus on this one. There's a big talk about, obviously, blood and blood magic and racism and the like within the Norse pantheon. Um, and that a lot of people will say oh, to learn the Norse mysteries and the like you need to have a specific, specific bloodline and that sort of thing how magic works on a soul level is works far beyond is more powerful and more complicated than how it works in a blood situation now I've met many demigods. Unfortunately, given the sort of work that I do, we tend to attract the attention of a lot of powerful individuals, as you can imagine. Um, most of which don't have a problem with us, but you do get the odd one that's a cunt. So, enough about that. But basically, a lot of people will think that when they see these uh, magical traditions and the like, the neo-pagans that say, well, you're not European, so you can't come and join our little group of Norse sword flingers and go and do a reenactment and a ritual for a holiday weekend on the bank holiday with us because you is black or you is a Chinese or something like that. You've got the wrong heritage and the like. Okay, so I'm going to level with you. I haven't been able to determine how much the blood plays a part in how easy it is for those gods, goddesses to manifest and put a chunk in that specific person. So obviously because this is an in-depth podcast and this is essentially Mad Ramblings type podcast, you're going to have to deal with me trying to work through my brain to try and put this into words to speak through this microphone so bear with me because I'm trying to work out the best way to explain this so that you understand it and I love my one take type situations as you know most of the stuff we do is one take we don't edit stuff and that and I want this to be the same stream of consciousness so 
I'm thinking particularly of a demigod whose name I will not mention, who of course is related to a specific Norse god, I suppose you'd say, um, whose name I will not mention, who happens to be mixed race. Now, this person's mixed race. They're not your stereotypical Viking-looking person, okay? But the fragment of that god is in them, and that connection is there. And it is not something that that person grew up wanting a connection that person grew up with an idea of being interested in European uh, European religions or paganism or anything like that it's literally a case of that god which is quite a uh, I don't know what you'd say full-on it's probably the best way to put it, quite a full-on god uses that connection to push that person that child in order to do and accomplish something that that god wants accomplished so here we have it. When it comes to particularly the Norse spirits, the Norse pantheon, they're very much like those overachieving parents that want their kids to do well at the beauty pageant. It really is like that. They do have a tendency to uh, perhaps overparent, which is one of the reasons why they do tend to opt for the strongest individuals because they're the sort that actually want to get shit done but when it comes to magical timing they have their reasons for coming here around the 20th century was when they first kind of started really uh, causing a stir let's say so obviously I will go a little bit more into that but let's just recap so idea of god goddess wants to have a little tinker about thinks a good way of tinkering about is to have a kind of a almost like an avatar but not really an avatar to have a little human child type thing so couple with the right energetic profiles partly of which can be sometimes made up of things that are passed through blood and lineage so sometimes yeah the uh habitat or i shouldn't say the habitat the person with the right kind of genetic makeup also tends to have the right energetic makeup for this kind of thing to happen sometimes obviously that's not the case and the what you would consider to be idealistic genetic physical genetics dna and the like makeup doesn't produce the right energetic effect so they tend to opt for someone outside of that or something outside of that the most important part because of course we're talking from the top down with referring to the gods they start up the top and then things manifest in the physical world so they're always going to start with what is the correct energetic makeup and then they'll have a little tinker about with that almost like how you make a homoculus or homoculi or whatever you'd call it so obviously the idea of tinkering about for a specific reason you have that link the way in which they tinker about is to break off a piece of their essence and to stick it in that person as they're forming on the astral world which then means as soon as 
things start forming in the physical world obviously that's when those things start to filter down from the astral world and the like so it happens pre-conception pre-birth this has a tendency to happen i've watched it happen um so from my opinion it would be happening from astral then the physical stuff starts to work and then you've got the transfer almost like a download like you download in a video or a pdf document or something starts to manifest that download happens uh it takes a considerable amount of time to be honest with you because uh anyone that's worked with making homoculi homoculuses or working with animals and that sort of thing will tell you that you can only put as much into the physical body of that thing as it's capable of taking now if you're trying to squeeze <laughs> the essence of a god even just a small fragment of it or a little section of it into a person it will start off trickling in over time so yes it will be there from the beginning but as the fetus grows as the baby grows as the child grows as the young adult grows is almost like a, a download that continues to go on um and it kind of ramps up to a certain extent as above so below it often does mirror um how physically people grow so obviously you've got the idea of adulthood and puberty and although our ideas of puberty are kind of finishing around about 18 sometimes to 25 depending on what your personal views are but you know generally around that awkward time that awkward phase is when the download really starts to uh let's say when you download in a file it says 100 percent complete <laughs> and yet you've still got that kind of a trickling whilst it sorts itself out that's when things start fucking unlocking a lot of the time for a lot of these people and at that point that's when the fun really starts to happen so not only if they tend to have the idea of the problem with puberty and the like but you also have the uh issues that come with having heritage from a magical you know um parent essentially or having the essence of some god or goddess crammed inside of you now normally in terms of how well they cope with it will depend on the god goddess and the system and the process because what you need to remember is that the world's a very complicated place geopolitically the universe is infinitely more complicated but then when you take everything in the universe no matter which universe you're talking about and outside of the universe things get very very complicated so i'm not going to try and overload you with that but just assume that it's fucking complicated there will be things that other people or things that want to cause a trouble in this process one of the reasons we created the thoth witchcraft patreon and that system was because we needed to have a way in which we can deal with this because of course we do train witches is what we're famous for but actually 
we do also do a lot of work behind the scenes with a lot of more you know what you'd probably call advanced magical practice so you've got the ideas of the people that you really don't see practicing magic or anything that would be called witchcraft or anything like that you're talking about people that are doing a very specific task going on a very specific journey accomplishing a very specific thing but also working on quite an advanced magical level never having had to learn it this is the problem imagine if you have a bunch of uh i don't know power lifters from world's strongest man or something with the power of a not just a fully fledged adult but someone with a world title in strength that has the mind of a child <laughs> it can get a uh, very dangerous so obviously separating those people out and understanding the journey that they're on and being able to guide them on their journey is a lot different than taking someone down the rabbit hole in the journey that is that of a witch someone that's going on the witch's kind of journey you will notice in the particularly when we're talking about kind of classical mythology you've got the idea of the hero the demigod Percy, Perseus, or even modern times Percy Jackson, I suppose you could say. You've also got the idea that perhaps that hero on their journey encounters a witch that helps them on that journey. Think of us as kind of like the witch there. We help them out with some specific things. Are we interested in their journey? Generally not. Do we get in the way? Generally not. But obviously, what we're talking about when regards to demigods and the like, these people are not witches. They have all of the natural ability and raw power of what you expect from a demi demigod. They've never had to work for it. They've got an overwhelming need to accomplish this thing. And they've got essentially an extremely powerful deity over their shoulder constantly manipulating things to push them into their journey one thing that is incredibly clear is that they are not able to escape this journey if this is happening and i feel very sorry for them which is why i'm trying to give a little shout out to the demigods here if they're on this journey that has been set forth essentially before they were even conceived i suppose you could say I feel sorry because they have to complete that journey or fail trying, you know. Within magic and witchcraft, the witch's path is incredibly difficult, you know. But you can go back. With this, they can't. <laughs> but yeah, there we go. Like I said, I'm not one of them and ideally hopefully you listening aren't one of them but i know probably if i release this on the thoth witchcraft patreon i know there's one or two of you uh lingering and hiding out in the advanced section that'll be able to relate with everything that i'm saying so in regards to the journey and what they do well that's partly not really for us to say hopefully at least i'd like to think that people who we do mentor that are on that kind of a path the little demigods out there we don't tend to reveal too much information about their 
their journey and stuff because obviously it's private but they will also be very aware that anytime they want to find out that deity on their shoulder is perfectly happy to throw up exactly uh, the whole story I know that a lot of uh, the people out there have struggled to cope with it but at the same time I know that it does bring a lot of peace of mind after you do embrace that path that you're on so anyway I'm not going to talk to the the secret demigods and the like that are out there I want to just go over this concept because I think that it's not something that gets discussed within magic and you won't find any of these people lurking within witchcraft covens nor will you tend to find them within secret societies however the 21st century is when it all changes so if you're talking about the structures of the ancients the classical structures of uh, deities having cults and priests and priestess hoods and mystery schools and the like it was a working model that did work for a considerable amount of time you will start to see in the 21st century things like the Glastonbury goddess temple that's a crock of shit being brushed aside to make room for the real deal this is going to start happening hopefully I'd like to think it's not going to happen in my lifetime because <laughs> I don't want to have to stick about for that but I know that there are a number of people that are currently training that are uh, you know there's a few demigods that we tend to have to uh, help out from time to time that are in the process of uh, working out whether that sort of a model of establishing that kind of an organization um, is what they're here to do or would be a good way to help them on their journey um, I know obviously the following generation so the kids the kids of these uh, there's quite interesting things that are going on there but yeah hopefully I'm not going to be around to have to deal with this mess I know Chris was talking about not having to deal with the Mesopotamian problem because we don't want to be here for that um, but yeah so obviously with regards to the Debbie gods if you want to talk to me privately about it then you can but the one thing that I would say is the people that are innately drawn to a god goddess you're not demigods you're not the people that are look them up in the book and resonate with them you're not the people that enroll on priest and priestess courses you're not because what you have to remember is that they have the ability that connection they do not need anyone to teach them about that god goddess they are have an instantaneous connection there even when they try to break that connection all they merely can do is normally numb it down it's what I think parents call a time out when you send them to their room a lot of them I've known of uh, particularly with some of the more forceful uh, parents have a tendency to try and bind it and to break that connection and they've always failed at that 
um, tends to more be, uh, from my perspective, seeing it happen is more of a case of the parents saying, go to your room and have a time out. Or basically picking them up and putting them in the room and giving them the silent treatment until the following day when it's back to normal and they've got to behave. So uh, this demigod thing, again, is very advanced. We don't tend to talk about the sort of advanced magic that is uh, really deep into this because it A, scares a lot of people off and B, let's be fair, you can't have conversations about that this without sounding really, really crazy. But I know that certainly uh, some people out there are interested in the sort of work that Chris and me do and they're interested in the things that are out there that is not witchcraft because there are many many areas of what we'd probably call magic magic being a very big umbrella and witchcraft of course only really being an umbrella underneath that umbrella witchcraft is a very big umbrella however it isn't exactly the sort of thing that you could really say witchcraft equals magic um, witchcraft's a specific kind of art of magic there are other types of magic out there um, so hopefully this has been a little bit interesting for you um, hopefully I am blown your minds too much if you have any stories and the like then and you want to have further conversation about this with me and you're on the Thoth Witchcraft Patreon, then always uh, send us a message in that, because it's quite interesting. Um, again, I've not revealed anyone's specific stories, because I know most of these people need to be left alone. There's a reason why they tend not to mix with other magical practitioners. However, for those out there that are interested in knowing, then I'm putting out there that this is obviously a thing. Um, I'm coming out and saying that it is a thing and really it's to be respectful of this path essentially so the path of the demigod is not really what a lot of people would consider to be a path you choose you can choose to start witchcraft from the beginning yes you have an urge isn't it you can't stop yourself from going down but there's a difference between you innately going down that path and then being forced to go down a path to complete a journey okay one thing that i would recommend because this is another thing that uh i've had to sort out before and chris has had to sort out before i know the idea appears to many who want to try and start covens and the like to bound together magical groups and stuff um it might be cool to have a demigod in your coven i've met a number of them that particularly the younger ones that more uh, seasoned magical practitioners which is um i think we had a couple of problems with uh some Puerto Ricans as well at one point. Um, Spanish witches. I think we had some problem with the... Oh, and the ATRs as well. So African traditional religions. A lot of well-seasoned magical practitioners will see and are able to sense and see demigods. And they think, oh, perfect. 
I can add that person to my covenant. It will strengthen the covenant and it will be good. Don't fucking do it. I've seen a lot of people try to manipulate the psychology of the person, demigods, because they are human, remember, okay? And they have human frailties. If you're going to try and manipulate someone with that kind of rule power, even if you're a seasoned magical practitioner, it tends not to uh, work out particularly well. If they want and feel that they're going to uh, come to work with you, they'll be called to work with you. Trying to entrap them is not a fucking good idea. Because what happens when you try to essentially, which is exactly what you're trying to do, you just don't realise it, try to snatch a little lion cub from the lioness. It tends not to work out very well. That's what you need to remember. And uh, you need to be respectful that these people are on their own path, they're off to do a certain thing, and that if they choose to try and, uh, you know, ask you for help or whatever, you can by all means refuse... But what my recommendation is not, is it's not like dealing with a bunch of baby witches. Because these people don't have the filter and the capability a lot of the time to stop themselves. So, a lot of well-seasoned magical practitioners, they grow in a reasonable pace. Yes, a lot of people have the natural gifts and the like. Natural witches, whatever you want to call them. However, you grow with that. And although you may struggle to begin with to contain it and to, uh, you know, get control over that ability, you are talking about eventually having mastered that, moving on and pushing yourself and being in control of your abilities and what you learn and that sort of thing. With a lot of the kind of demigods and that, a big problem with them is that they really struggle with the human side of things okay it's not you never have to teach them how to do a spell you never have to teach them how to do magic okay i can't think of that many times other than to just support them or to warn them when they're doing something and fucking about with something that uh you know may not be such a good idea because we don't want people breaking the universe after all do we (laughs) um Generally, the bit that makes them vulnerable is the psychology. It is the fact that they're human. So, people dealing with, if you imagine being a witch and how lonely it can be being a witch with the power, at least you have a foot in both worlds. With this, you're really talking about treading water. You're trying to keep yourself in the physical world. And you're trying to keep yourself... You don't have a foot in both worlds. What you have is you have both feet in the other world. Being pulled eternally into that. And into the politics of that. And you with both hands clinging on to the physical world. It's very different. It's very difficult as well. Um, Obviously, as you know, being a magical practitioner, I would imagine how difficult it is to live a mundane life with all of this. We all develop our little coping mechanisms for that. A lot of us move 
with magic and with the physical world together that's what makes you know us not go crazy is a little different a lot of the uh the people that you tend to or from my experience the demigods that i've met they do have a tendency to they're not insane at all but they're not used to this kind of interaction this kind of human level interaction it's very difficult you've got an obscene amount of power constantly coursing through your veins to be pulled on a journey that you're not choosing so it's a little different at least with witches and witchcraft and the like yes we have external input from what many would say them upstairs or guidance or what have you but you do walk the path that's what you have to remember you're walking the path with this, you've been pushed off of the edge of a very steep slope and are attempting to gain control, not by stopping, because you know you cannot stop. You're attempting to gain control by running down that deep cliff, deep hill, heavy, big hill, steep hill, whatever, rambling. So you can tell I am edited this. <laughs> So there we go. So be respectful if you do ever meet these people. Do you have to steer clear of them? No, not really, but it's not a good idea to manipulate them. Um, are they a thing? Yes, of course they're a thing. I've given you a little bit of an idea of, from the energetic perspective, how that differs from witchcraft and witches and the like. Um, the main reasons why you don't tend to find them interact with the magical community a lot is, for one the magical community nowadays isn't that great and you know you are talking about magical community people coming together to learn magic you're not really talking about that's not got a lot to offer someone that already knows magic already knows the path you know um they've got to go and do the work you see that's the difference the difference between being in school and learning and then are going and doing the work and these people are going and are doing the work so you know, let them go about their fucking business, or for fuck's sake. Otherwise, we'll get more people end up knocking on our fucking door, or phoning me up at three o'clock in the morning, because they've picked a fight with someone that they thought was a baby witch, because they don't understand the basic concepts of what Heinrich Agrippa's talking about, and don't use flowery language, yet they can wave their hand and give someone a heart attack, okay? So, we need to remember... Just treat the demigods with respect and leave them be. And just because they don't know all the flowery language and read all the books or have any interest in magic whatsoever and join in any groups that they <laughs> haven't got a considerable amount of power. So there we go. Um, I don't know whether this is actually even going to make the light of day. But if it does make the light of day, it's because... I've probably had a few glasses of a nice, I think it's Sicilian, Sicilian gin, something like that. And uh, I thought I'd come up with this new series, Sounds Really Good, where I ramble about subject on a deep thing and talk about stuff I'm not supposed to talk about publicly. So there we go. This is the uh, first edition of No Holds Barred, Mad Occult Ramblings, <laughs> or something like that. Thank you and good night.